Hey, Blaine from DTC Pod here, and today we've got two amazing AI tools for you guys to check out. So AI is obviously eating the world, and these two by HubSpot, where you're really gonna love. So the first one's called Content Assistant. Basically helps you create amazing content, which matters more today than ever. Everyone's creating content, so you've gotta stand out. Um, with HubSpot's AI-powered Content Assistant, you can brainstorm, create, and share content of Flash, all inside a super easy to use CRM. So, you know, think things like, brainstorming blog ideas, blog outlines, drafting copy on any topic from marketing trends to media kits or writing value props for your landing pages, prospecting emails and more. Uh, the second one is ChatSpot, which is basically a conversational bot that sits on top of your HubSpot CRM. So it's gonna automate all the manual tasks inside of HubSpot, help you engage more customers, close more deals and scale a little bit faster. Um, so if you want to find out more about how to use AI to grow your business, check out hubspot.com slash artificial dash intelligence. As a D2C brand, you need real-time financial visibility to save money and make better decisions. Waiting for books from slow and expensive bookkeepers that don't get e-commerce is slowing you down. Trusted by hundreds of brands, Finaloop is a real-time accounting service built by D2C founders for D2C founders. Try Final Loop completely free, no credit card required. Just visit finalloop.com slash d2cpod and get 14 days free and a two-month PL within 24 hours with all the e-com data and breakdowns you need to crush it. What's up, DTC Pod? Today we are joined by Peter Sivas, who is one of the founders of Floop. So Peter, I'll let you kick us off. Why don't you tell us a little bit about your personal background and tell us all about Floof? Awesome. Thanks for having me on. Uh, we are, my personal background is in home textile manufacturing. Uh, we have a family business that has, you know, been in the textile game for 20 plus years, manufacturing uh, home decor. Um, that's kind of what I was bred in doing and I enjoy every minute of it. And so that's kind of what my background is. And Floof is a uh, domestic manufacturer of home decor. We're a home design company. Uh, with a goal to joyfully guide consumers to the perfect pillows uh, and revealing what pillows can do uh, in the design process. Amazing. And I was really excited to talk about this because I feel like home goods is and textiles, it's such a big category. Um, you know, it's not maybe the most obvious one that we'll see in D2C, but like pillows are something that's great because you can, you know, everyone can have more pillows. You need them for every room. You need them for all your furniture. They're accents on the couch. Um, and then even in terms from a, from a D to C perspective, they're a great product, right? They're, um, easy to easy ish to ship, right? It's like, they're generally pretty light. You can vacuum seal them down. Um, you can mix and match covers. So like, there's a lot of, uh, there's a lot, a lot that you can do with them. And I don't think we've seen, um, a D to C pillow brand be built and done and executed on really well. So I'm, that's why I'm excited to be able to to chat with you guys, but why don't you tell me a little bit more? I know you mentioned family business. You guys have been manufacturing in the business for a while. Why don't you just tell us what um, you know, what the business that you guys own is like, and then your ideas to start with Floof. Like, what what got you really excited to say that okay, it's our turn and let's go take a take a turn at this? So, Peter, uh, one of the reasons we're really excited about having you on is. Pillows is a really interesting play within D2C, right? Like as a product, they're great. You can, uh, you know, you can never have enough pillows in your home, accent pieces for couches. You can have them on 
your beds. Uh, so they add a lot of flair to, to the room or from a decor perspective. But the other great thing is, you know, from a packaging and a shipping perspective, like generally pretty light. Um, you can vacuum seal them down so they're not taking up a whole bunch of space. You can mix and match, match covers. Um, and we haven't really seen a pillow brand crush it within D to C. So uh, it seems like most of the time you, you'd be shopping for pillows within like larger marketplaces. Uh, so yeah, I just love a little bit of background about a, you know, your family business and what that's been like, what your role was there and then how you were kind of like, oh, let's spin this out, what the inspiration was like and what it took for you to actually start taking action and, and leading this initiative. Sure. So we we have a wholesale brand that really sells to high-end retail chains, uh, designers, design houses across the nation. And, and then we have a mid to low price uh, price point goods. So when I came into the business, and mind you, I, I've been going to trade shows with our family since I was 10 years old. So I mean, I've, I came in knowing and understanding the basics of the entire industry pretty pretty confidently. Um, I came in and helped with showroom experiences for our wholesale business, um, you know, website and uh, online services for all of our design and B2B clients, really understanding what their needs were and bridging the gaps and how we can enhance our customer service um, and be able to expand our product offerings. So that was the first few years of me going uh, into the family business. What happened with Floof was when I was in college, it was, you know, 17, 2018 to where e-commerce was really booming. I was seeing that there was a huge amount of opportunity there. Um, and a lot of the things with, with uh, B2B, the wholesale side of things, you can't really communicate the same way you do to a general consumer. There are business owners and designers. So the marketing and the way that you would be able to present the, the offer, let's just say, is, is, is a little different. So I had piqued interest in that and saw a big opportunity and piggybacking on it exactly what you said, there was no clear identifiable market leader in a branded pillow space. And that was what our dream was, that my unique perspective, our unique perspective of seeing, you know, a wholesale client come in. We had designers who would design high-end homes purchasing from us and we had national chain corporate buyers. And we I understood what consumers' offers were in terms of how is a designer purchasing in our showroom? How is a retail uh, buyer purchasing in our showroom? What are they even allowing their consumers to buy? And I saw a huge white space in the fact that there's a lot out there that the average consumer is not going to be able to buy because not everybody can hire a $1,000 an hour designer and they're not going to be able to get all the, the options because the retail, uh, the retail chain corporate buyer doesn't want their margins to be crushed or to take risks on anything because it's going to be discounted and sold off. So the risk adverseness was not there. The high design was not there. So clear entry point for Floof to take over. Amazing. So once you realized you've got all this opportunity, you've got, I guess, the manufacturing might to be able to pull something like this off. Um, what did it really take, right? It's a totally different business than what you guys were, you know, always set up for. So it's not like, okay, great. This is a great idea. Let's just go ahead and do this. Sure, you may have advantages because you've got, the hard parts of the supply chain already taken care of. But still, when you're creating a business, that's a new channel. It's a major initiative. What did it take to, what planning went into it in terms of like the branding, the design, the, you know, 
the product SKUs that you were going to offer. Like, tell me about what it took to actually like build this business to be able to stand it up. So before we even went into this, we had a conversation and said, okay, which avenue do we want to take? Do we want to take the long and narrow path of building a brand that has dominance and has an emotional connection to when you just say the word, people already understand subliminally what you stand for? Or are we going to go the direct-to-consumer route of trying to pump this brand up and print cash quick and not really plan five to 10 years out? Well, we took the long road. And what we did was did something a little bit in reverse. We went branding first before we did product first. We're confident in our abilities to be able to produce product and be able to design product because we have the know-how and the expertise and the sourcing capabilities. So we spent one whole year of 2021, the path of 2021 and 2022, building this Ploof brand. We hired the best and the brightest. We did, we wanted to be data, data driven. So we did four or five rounds of focus grouping. We did really deep dive into the data of what the consumer is wanting. What, you know, okay, great. You want a, you want a pillow brand, but what does that mean? What does that mean to the consumer? What are their pain points? And so we spent a whole year developing that. That took the first two months. And then once we got the list of issues, we said, okay, how do, how are we going to solve this through the design process of the site and what the brand stands for? And we, we had the best agencies and the best partners uh, help us through this methodically. Um, and we came to this brand. I mean, I'm giving you a brief synopsis, but there was a whole year of work that was done in there. So why don't we talk about the other work that went into it? So obviously the brand is going to be important being set up the right uh, the right way from the data side of things. But operationally, what what was it that you guys had to prepare for to be able to do something like this? And then also executionally, right? Like, you know, what other players did you need to bring in to be able to make sure you were ready to go um, and launch a project like this? So operationally, there was a few a few minor edits. We added a separate line uh, so that it didn't you know hinder our business at all in terms of our wholesale business, and it was manufactured on a much more um, uh, a much more labor intensive process. We added a few more uh, processes to up the quality, not not better than our wholesale, but different to meet the needs of the customer. Um, you know, they had certain things that they wanted and that we had to include, such as our sourcing. You know, our down is traceable. Our down is sustainable. It's RDS certified. We have auditors that are on the farms that we get our feathers from so that we can bring the highest quality wild feathers. That's something that we had to do completely separately. Um, our our vegan angel fills, which is a hypoallergenic uh, uh, faux down insert, that had to be formulated completely differently because consumers, you know, associated weight of the pillows with quality. So there were a variety of different things. Um, the fabrics were sourced from mills that were much more curated, much more limited. Um, we, you know, bring in fabrics domestically. We try to do as much domestic work as possible because we want to support, you know, business in the USA. But we also brought in tons of fabric from across the ocean, you know, across the seas, uh, mills from Turkey and Italy. Uh, India, and those were all different from what our current clients have at our in our wholesale business. So it was really raw goods. Yeah, and I think that's really cool too because what you're doing when you're setting up, and this is something that we've seen in a lot of adjacent uh, D2C industries, right? Is like you're able to go after a certain a specific type of customer who 
wants exactly what they want. They're looking for a different type of product. They're looking for a different type of experience. And you're able to deliver that uh, via your direct channels. And at the same time, you're not you know, just doing the same thing you're doing via your wholesale channels or your other maybe retail channels or anything like that. Um, the next thing I want to talk about is, so once you've set up your brand, you've set up your operations, you know who you're sourcing with to build these pillows, like, let's actually talk about that, right? Like how many dif- different, um, you know, players were are involved in your like floof supply chain? Like how many are you working with? Um, what does it take to manage it? And yeah, and how are you guys thinking about it? Like from from the day from day one when you launched and where you are now, have you have you scaled up? How do you think about scaling up? Yeah, just walk us through that a little bit. So top, you know, just to quickly answer the scale up question, it's just buying more and retaining more so that we don't sell out. That's a simple answer for that in terms of how we've changed from the from day one to today. But how many players do we have? Tons. You know, we've got we want to make sure that we're sourcing from top quality vendors. So we don't just source from anybody. We have, we touch and feel everything that goes out to the consumer. And that in itself is part of the branding to where we want to be a trusted resource for consumers to be able to know, hey, I'm getting the best quality and they're delivering on their promise. So our design team and our product development team thoroughly vets every single mill. We probably deal with 30, 40 mills across, across, you know, combined with domestic and, and, uh, overseas, you know, we have suppliers for our, our feathers and our, and our down. We have suppliers for our corrugated boxes, packaging suppliers. I mean, there's, there's probably over 50 different people that we work with just to bring one pillow. Well, and, and I think that's a really good thing that you point out too, which is just like, people are like, oh, it's a pillow, but like, there's so many different parts of the supply chain that go into making one pillow from like the feathers to the actual cover. And you're sourcing from all these different areas as well as the packaging and all that. So, um, obviously I'm sure you had some parts of these, uh, these relationships established, like you knew where to go, at least in the beginning by having the, the, the family business and the wholesale business. But I'm curious what some of those other ch- new challenges might have been as you started to like think about, okay, well, you know, now we need, maybe we need specific labels or we need, um, you know, specific packaging if we're going to be selling D2C. Were there any other new considerations outside of just the, you know, the feathers and the, the uh, you know, the material, but maybe more things like the packaging and the labeling, other things like that, that you brought in and, and you considered as you built it out? Yeah, for sure. When we so, for us, we wanted to have the best experience. That's from even experiencing our ad online all the way to getting the package at your doorstep. So we spent months on package design, testing what was going to be the most efficient in terms of you know pricing because we offer free shipping, so we we eat that cost. We have to make sure that you know we're still, we're still profitable. So packaging was a huge thing. The other thing was we wanted to make sure that when they opened the package they experienced something that was much different than the rest. So every single pillow is hand stuffed. We do not air compress our pillows. We don't damage the, fo- the quills in the, in the feathers. Every single one comes with a uh, satin dust cover, like a high-end handbag. Uh, there is a card that tells you, a welcome card that welcomes you to your you and your pillow or meeting for the first time, how to fluff it up, how to revive it, how to style it, and then a hand-signed signature of the person who packed it. And then on the inside of the pillow, there's an initial of the person who 
made the pillow. Um, and then we have our invoice slips and a few other pieces of literature that never existed in our production facility, never existed in our B2B experience because it just wasn't part of it wasn't part of the business. That's awesome. I, dude, I, I'm, I'm just looking at these pillows right now and I'm like, I need some of these. <laughs> I actually, I low-key love pillows. I remember um, like I, I travel a bunch and I, I've been in like India and I remember being in India, literally like buying pillows, like just the covers and like bringing them back with me and like shoving my suitcase shut because like, I just like love amazing fabrics and textiles and everything. So um, you know, the thought that you're able to give it, it's, it's like very exciting. I think it's a really, um, amazing one thing, one more thing that you mentioned about India, you know, when we're sourcing fabrics, it's very regionally specific. Every single country has their own expertise of what the fabric is. So when we're sourcing, like if we want a specific cool embroidery or we want, you know, a matte thread or a metallic thread embroidery, you know, India's top of mind, their embroidery is off the charts. Uh, we want high pile, lustrous velvets, Turkey. United States is really stepping up their game. Uh, we want a jacker or a, a Belgian linen. I mean, everything is regionally spaced on what those artisans know and, and are experts in. And we curate that and offer that to the customer. Yeah, that's super exciting. And now I'm really curious about uh, go to market, right? Like you guys have clearly built, um, you know, a really cool product, niche space, growing, but really big market. Everyone sort of shops and it seems like you know, a lot of D2C brands start going direct and then they're like, oh, let me go after wholesale and retail and all these other channels. And you guys are kind of doing it the other way around. So I'd love to, you know, learn. I'd love to get kind of your insight in terms of how you started to grow your, uh, how'd you start growing your business? How'd you generate your first couple sales? How did, how'd you st like grow from there? So we, the, so what we did was, Let's start back at the focus groups. When we really dug into the information of what people were actually telling us, okay, they were telling us that they had issues with a trusted partner. That was one, right? You've got all these home goods aggregators. You've got Wayfair. You've got Paragold. Go, if you go right now on, on Paragold or Wayfair and type in throw pillow, you'll probably have over half a million options. I'm not even joking. Over 500,000 throw pillow options. I mean, how are you supposed to know what's what? You know, the other issue people had was there was brands out there um, that were very niche in, in their style. So they were very, very style specific. So if you didn't have a California coastal home, you weren't really a right fit. So there were a subset of people that were alienated or not alienated, but they just couldn't shop there because that's not their aesthetic. Um, so that was an issue. The other thing was there was a guidance element where people didn't really know what was a good pillow, how to pair pillows, how to get, you know, pattern mixing and color mixing because they didn't want to just get two of the same pillows and put them on the either side of the sofa. They wanted to have that designer look. And for them, going from inspiration to reality was difficult. So we built a brand that was going to guide you, give you a sense of comfort and be the authority on what the best is. And you come and have fun and we guide you through that process. So that really translated into our ads. So the way that we marketed all the product was revealing the power of pillows and their transformative power. So a lot of our ads, you would see a model that would come in. We also brought in models. A lot of the advertising out there didn't have a human element. Such It's so weird to think that 
something that you live and use. There's no physical people in the picture. So we brought real models in there that would bring the pillow on the couch and the whole room would transform to really show that our pillows are bringing life to your space. So we did that and basically funneled all of those creatives through Meta, Facebook, and, and did that and did awareness campaigns, a variety of different things. And that's kind of how we started to get our first few customers. We're just getting into getting our, you know, Fleur curators, which is basically an influencer campaign to where we would get trusted design partners that are on Instagram to be able to do tests and reviews and curate their own sets to recommend to their followers. So that's something that's going to come up to get more. But the from the beginning, the inception, it was all performance advertising and communicating with customers. And we started getting orders flowing in, which was very, very, you know, comforting that our ads and our creatives were so inspirational that these people really didn't know much about us and they trusted us. So we're really grateful for those first few hundred people that did that. We are really excited to announce that DTC Pod is officially part of the HubSpot Podcast Network. The HubSpot Podcast Network is the audio destination for business professionals. And we're really excited about being part of the network because we're going to be able to keep growing the show, bringing you guys amazing guests, and obviously helping you guys learn from the best founders, marketers, and builders of the most successful consumer brands. So anyway, keep listening to DTC Pod and more shows like us on the HubSpot Podcast Network at hubspot.com slash podcast network. Um, reviews were pouring in. Another thing that I want to point out just for people listening um, and the way you can think about things is like, you guys have an advantage because you have like an amazing product, not a super saturated category. It is a premium product. And like you guys are able to sell a pillow for like $100 or something right. like that, right? So when from a from a performance point of view, like the amount that you're able to spend on Meta before you acquire a customer, it's like a very, you have a healthy amount that you're able to spend. So like I have a friend who's like running a, one of those, you know, those like ice baths, like it's all yeah. the rage these days. So he's absolutely killing it because like his profit margin on those things, like, you know, as long as he, he can spend up to like $500 to acquire a customer and still be profitable. So, um, you know, it's just, it's just interesting as you're thinking about developing products and where you're going, especially if you're at the early stages of the product development cycle, understanding what your margin is, how much you can sell it for really understanding all your cogs. But when you do have something that costs a little more, you can spend a little bit more on Facebook to get acquisitions sure. and conversions, um, which is really cool. Uh, and I, I, I also love the point you, you guys talked about in terms of the creative side of things, right? I think that when you're looking at categories, and this has always been the playbook and I, I guess direct to consumer, but it's been looking at overlooked sort of niches. But like the thing that I think is really cool about pillows in the home goods space is like, it's like very, yes, it's like very overlooked, but everyone's got houses. Everyone's can buy more of these products and you know something like a pillow can change the entire room if you have a white couch you go one direction with a pillow or another direction they're two totally different spaces Lynn, you want to join the floof curator program you go yeah i would love to literally under i've got i've got pillows for days I, w I would love to um but yeah i mean i think that's that's a really cool uh cool way to approach creative when it's not just about you know, okay, here's a pillow. Yeah, I've seen everyone sees pillows. You Google pillow and there's there's almost too many pillows to choose on. But really taking a curated approach. Hey, we know what's good from a fabric perspective, from a feather perspective, from a curatorial perspective, like we've got you covered. I think that's really cool. Um and and I think the the curator idea that you're talking about, I've 
personally love that. I think curation is the next big thing within D2C, within influencers. It gives them power for what they're doing. I know I'd been telling you about like the DTC, ETC project, but like one thing that we're doing there is we're also working with influencers to curate different collection lists, et cetera, because again, when you're overwhelmed by choice, you need someone to help you curate and you need someone to just be like, this is good, get this, as opposed to, oh yeah, go to Google. There's a million pillows. Why don't you pick one? You know, exactly. you, you, you won't know what to, you, you don't know what you'll end up with. So um, was that something that you noticed from having that overlap in the design world where you're working with interior designers? Why don't you tell me a little bit about that? So so perfect so perfect conversation so basically we had this whole thing about choice paralysis so where cons people were feeling just overwhelmed with choice so we come from a very different background in the wholesale business you need to have a breadth of product you need to have a healthy skew count not only to it's not only just about making sure you can sell everything to everyone it's making sure that you have a variety of different choice within specific aesthetics because not everyone is going to be able to like that. And you want to give your design, your designers, the ability to be able to actually design within your brand ecosystem. So if they don't want curved couches for a contemporary design and they want a little bit more of, you know, a, you know, a chic mountain look, well, then there's nothing for them to purchase. And so they're not using you as a true trade resource. For us, we wanted to make sure, okay, so we have to give breath and, and selection. We have to give breath and selection. And we did the ungodly task of launching, launching with 350 SKUs, which for direct-to-consumer is a lot. And for our perspective, that was baby numbers because we have four or 5,000 SKUs. We learned very quickly that a lot of those SKUs are not getting visibility because it's just too many choices. So, you know, during the entrepreneurial process, you make a bunch of mistakes and we learned that was one too many choices. So the way that we combated that was we had our product development team go in on every single SKU, have coordinates there. And so when customer goes in there to pick and get captivated by one pillow, we have design curated coordinates with the sizing recommendations and giving them guidance on when they're clicking what size they're purchasing, where those sizes should generally live in. So if it's a 24 by 24 pillow, it's living in on the corner of a couch versus a lumbar might be on a chair or the middle of a sectional, kind of giving them that guidance element. And then on top of that, those same people that worked on the product development team are available for live chatting for them to send a video in or a photo or a description of their space to help them make that, you know, to make that uh, leap and purchase those pillows. I, I love that. So I think you're already covering on a whole bunch of different things that, you know, we you wouldn't even catch from just like glancing over the site, but operationally, like, you know, already saying, okay, one of the frictions to purchase is, is um, you know, the amount of choice that you have. So how can we help that by how can we zero in on the SKUs that are going to convert the best that are representative of the breadth of collection? So we give choice, but we don't sacrifice decision paralysis for it. And then also saying, hey, you know, maybe some people need a little bit of customer service to like get over the edge. They know that they, they, they just need the, that final nudge to buy. Um, and that's something that we see a lot, like whether you're in SaaS, whether you're in e-commerce, whatever business you're in, every business is, is unique. But if you can provide that like human touch of like customer success, where the customer's on the fence, they think they want to make a decision and you're actually just to be there to like reconfirm and be like, yeah, that's a good idea. You should do that. Or you should do this. It just makes 
your conversion rate, um, you know, definitely, definitely improved. One of the things when we, so when we went out, you know, I wanted to create a guiding light. How are we going to win? We have all this information of, of things that are missing in the market, but what are we going to focus on to help us win this process? And one of them is empowering consumers to feel like designers. That's really what we want to do because during our, our, our focus grouping portion of this brand building phase, we saw that pe some people had, you know, not one aesthetic, not two aesthetics, but three or four as a melange of different things. You know, they might have come back from Wyoming or they might have come back from New York and they've got an inspiration from design and they want to implement that into their space. So it's not really one specific aesthetic. So during this guidance process, we don't want to muddle their voices. We want to enhance their voices so that they feel that they were guided, but they were the main designer. They were the impetus to their specific look that they ended up with in their home. And that's super important for us. And we know for a fact that that's going to help us uh, win and be able to differentiate ourselves from the rest of the market. Who who else do you compete with, right? Because like off the top of my head, I didn't have any like direct-to-consumer pillow companies. Um, there are... But they're, they're, yeah, okay, they're, that's good. So they are, they're small mom and pop, uh, Instagram, you know, they, they only sell through Instagram and maybe a, a website and they're, they're really, really small niche. And again, they're style specific, but most of the competitors are, we have a variety. So we've got the aggregators, right? You've got Paragold, Wayfair, Amazon, and all those. Those aren't really direct competitors. Then you've got branded retailers like Lulu in Georgia, uh, you know, a variety of different people like them. Then you've got people like St. Frank and Serena and Lily that are aesthetically specific, that are on the nicher side of brands that sell, you know, a lifestyle amount of products, couches, curtains, and everything. And they also sell pillows, which is a good chunk of their business. So those would be the closest competitors. Got it. And then from a, like a, I always find this so interesting because like you've got competitors, but they're not like direct competitors because they could also potentially like sell your products. Have you guys looked at collaborating with any either marketplaces, aggregators, other uh, sort of suppliers? How, how does that all play out through your business and like the back end infra of it as well? So that that's the, where we live and breathe. That's our comfort, right? That's essentially going back to B2B. So we definitely are um, looking at the opportunity and wanting to find the, if it's a retailer, we want to find the best retail fit to where it would match with our brand aesthetic and their customer base. Um, but we're also going to launch a trade program for our design business because designers are what built our business. Um, and we feel that there's a longstanding relationship there. We know that designers need specific product in this aesthetic. So we want to be able to have a trade, the trade program to where we would reach out to them directly. So yes, we're, we're analyzing both. Yeah. I, I just think it's neat that you can go from, you know, your wholesale business which is running in a certain way, you can spin up a brand out of it like a floof. Now you've got a consumer-facing brand that makes it accessible. You may even be able to land new business on the wholesale side of things or aggregator marketplace side of things directly through the brand that you're going to be building, investing in, sure. which is floof. Um, and yeah, I, I'd love to also, maybe you could provide a little bit more insight here. This is just for me and I'm sure a bunch of people are curious. What's the deal with... Uh, in like the interior design space, if you're like building a home or like putting products together, right? Like you've got interior designers who can like go get rates and buy furniture or whatever. But like if you're a consumer, like it hasn't totally been cracked yet. So like sure, you've got your uh, retailers like a CB2 or Crate and Barrel and all this where anyone can go and purchase directly from. But like 
for for a lot of maybe higher end sort of manufacturers, textile makers, et cetera, like you can't go unless you have like a license. So what's the yeah. deal there? How do, wh why don't you just give us some color on what the hell's okay. going on? I'm going to get in trouble with all these designers, but I'm ready to tell you guys how it all works. So when you see trade programs on D2C brands, it's not really trade discounting. It's 20% off 30. I don't even know if there's, I don't even seen a brand that gave you 30% off, but 20% off your retail pricing. When you go into a wholesale, the wholesale world, the way that it works is there's trade shows that have permanent showrooms to where these brands have their version of the storefront. And you have to be vetted and make sure that you have a resale license and established business to be even entered into the building. And they have these trade shows, been going on since the 80s. High Point is like the mecca of all furniture. Um, and basically there you have you get a badge, you get vetted, you get approved, and you can go in there on the market weeks that they have. It's generally two weeks out of the year per location. And you go and preview product there. And then the specific manufacturer has to approve your account. So there is there is a few steps of approval that needs to happen. Um, and you do have to be pre-vetted. But the di discounts are much deeper, much. Because the way that it works is it depends on how your designer works for you. So if you're if your designer works with you very transparently and saying, hey, I'm going to give you these invoices, you pay them, I'm just going to add 15% on top. Or they're saying, this is my hourly rate, you give me a budget. And they're either choosing to be transparent with you or they're paying whatever the invoices are. Sometimes they might take the 50% discount that they get off of retail, add 20% and transfer that 30% of savings to the customer. It depends on a case by case basis. Got it. No, no, that's super helpful because I I always know there's you've got your interior designers and then they can buy things and then you can't. There's they're like interior pricing yeah. for those wholesale businesses. I mean, if the wholesale business, if a designer walks in, they have a specific tier. If a retailer or a stockist goes in, they have another tier. So there's there's quite a bit of levels of pricing. Awesome. Well, I'm glad you're you guys are making it for the consumer because sometimes I just want to buy a pillow and yeah, you it's know, very rich. Uh, you're, you're going online, you're placing an order, and you're literally factory to you. It's like 10 hands touch it. There's no, All the middlemen are cut out. It's direct from the factory to your doorstep. And I love it. Talking about pricing, you go to our competitors, any of the names that I mentioned, you get the insert, the whole pillow ready to go. We're like half the cost. And, and yeah. equal to not, to not better quality. Yeah, I think that was that that was like one of my first lessons in furnishing a home was like, oh my god, I love pillows, and pillows are like oddly expensive. <laughs> yes, uh, so they're uh, oddly expensive because you haven't revealed the power of the pillow. Once you realize the the worth, you'll pay any. Price. Oh yeah, yeah. Oh, all all day. Um, very cool. And then the other things I want to talk to you about. What are what have been some of the biggest challenges to date in in building the business? Right, like what are some of the things that you know, have been difficult that you're like working through, trying to figure out, um, trying to optimize and and learn from as you're continuing to build a business. It's, if I can put it in one sense, it's taking the vision to reality. And you know, that's really every entrepreneur's problem. The nuanced cases in there is basically getting the right people because you, if, if you don't have people that believe in the vision that you have and see what you have, and they're just, they're temporary, they're really not going to give the positive benefit to the business and they should have. So finding the right people who believe in the brand um, and want to take this thing to fruition. And the other thing is communicating um, communicating our value props to the customer. When, you, when we want to build a premium product, 
And our goal is to be able to take the name Floof and have you subconsciously associate things with that name, right? That's the journey, having you associate that. That takes a long time. And we have to be aggressively patient. We have to be patient to make sure that we're hitting and finding our core target audiences through performance marketing, through influencer marketing. Um, but we have to be aggressive at, at the same time. So it's kind of an odd dichotomy that we're, we're, we're getting used to of trying and failing, trying and failing, pivoting and changing. So we just have to be very elastic, wait for the right people to join the team and keep going forward on the goals that we have on what we want this brand to represent and not, not, not veering from that because it's very easy to veer from that for profits. Oh, hundred percent. And then on, on the performance side, I know we talked about, uh, you know, curator partnerships. I know we talked about performance. Have there been any other things that you've been looking at testing, uh, whether it's organic, social, other, uh, maybe unconventional ways of advertising, anything direct? Like how have you guys found any success in any others? Or are you just like kind of really focus on doubling down on, on the main, main channels to start? Our, so since we're, our belief is to be narrow and really deep on something, just like we're doing with pillows, right? We want to be the pillow hero. We want to be known for throw pillows. That's what we're trying to do. We're trying to make our performance marketing channel as efficient as possible so that we can profitably scale this business into where we want it to go. To answer your question, is there anything out of the box? Yeah, we were looking into possibly, you know, billboards, uh, subways in New York City, you know, things that might bring some sort of, of tension on something and, and shake up somebody in a different way, some unique advertisement. Um, haven't executed on that yet, but there were things that are on the table. We really are thinking about how we're going to communicate to the customer. But our, our main focus is making sure that our advertising is as efficient as possible because I mean, like I said, you, the days of putting a picture up and cat printing money is gone. It's over. And one of the biggest things that really hit me on the blind side was the complexities of how we're going to now have to communicate to the clients. It's really, this whole process really just makes entrepreneurs better, in my opinion, by making them try even harder to clearly communicate to the right audience so that they convert and get the social proof. That's a big thing, right? Like being able to have a message, being able to communicate it, especially when you're playing around and there's so many different competitors, even if they're not direct competitors, right? Like, cause like what we're saying is, yes, you may be the only D2C pillow brand, but like if someone else can buy pillows from marketplaces or aggregators, it's not direct competition, but it's competition for attention and yeah. the way people do it. So like, it's also, yeah, it's just really interesting to how important it is to get your messaging airtight uh, your channels airtight and kind of scale up from there. One thing that I think could be really cool for you guys as you grow um, is just like the collaboration opportunity that you'll probably naturally have with a lot of other direct consumer players and brands, right? Similar audiences, home goods brands. I'm sure you could do cool activations around that. So I think as you, you grow- is Even in the hospitality realm, um, there might be some unique partnerships with you know high-end airline companies, variety of different things. Dude, you know, I actually have a good one for you. So um, have you ever heard of this thing called Kindred? Kin Kinder, like the chocolate? Kind of, no, but it's it's Kindred with a D. Anyway, it's this like apartment swapping platform. So like I have it where you can literally like, it's basically like 
Airbnb, but instead of like you renting out your home, it's just for swapping with other people who have like, you know, an apartment in like a major metropolitan area or whatever. But um, it's really cool because they provide a like, so when I have like, say I'm traveling, like I'm going to like Greece in a couple of weeks, I'm going to um, be there for two weeks. So I'm like, okay, Kindred can like put a bunch of people, like they can put uh, a guest in, in my place. They send linens and like everything they have a cleaning lady come like prepare the whole apartment or whatever for the guest that comes and then when they leave but what could be really cool is doing a partnership with a platform like that where now you're getting your product in like homes that people are staying with so it could there could be really cool partnerships not just with necessarily other direct brands but also like service providers that play in like the home and like travel accommodation sort of space it's just like I don't know. It's really cool. Yeah, it's really cool when you're when you're building when you're building these amazing products, being able to partner with partners that aren't just the obvious ones, but there's there's so many people because you're just saying, hey, like I'm building a brand and I'm trying to get it in front of people who, you know, are this type of persona. Um, you know, this is what they do. This is where they live. This is where they shop. And then like, how do we activate them? So anyway, yeah, you should, you can check them out. Uh, Definitely. I just thought of that. I was like. I was like, that that would be a cool one. Um, as we wrap up here, what um, you know, what are the what are the big focuses? I, I know we've talked a lot about like the channels you're focusing on, but like, you know, if you had to talk about what your next year looks like, what what are the core focuses and what do you wanna what do you wanna accomplish in the next year? We really wanna focus on improving social proof, getting the product into more people's hands, and meaningful partnerships. That's really gonna be the focus of the next year is collaborating with people who have something that relates to Floof, but brings in a very different perspective um, and doing some sort of either brand partnership or the curator program um, and enhancing the, the social proof, making sure that we're communicating with our customers to pivot as early as possible to make sure that we're providing them with, you know, product that they really, really want. Sweet. Well, we're, we're excited to see you guys keep growing. Um, congrats on all the success so far. And for our listeners, where can they follow along with uh, you and Floof? So they can visit our website at floofliving.com. Follow us on Instagram at floofliving. Um, they'll get all their information there. Uh, and, uh, you know, looking forward to seeing where we go in the next year. We're excited about it. And um, possibly some extra, you know, wider product offerings and, and that could possibly happen in the later of next year so you know we're going to start with pillows but we see where we go from there awesome well thanks for joining us peter awesome thank you so much thanks for tuning in and we hope you enjoyed this episode of dtc pod if you enjoyed the show we'd love your support a rating and a review would go a long way as we continue to host the best builders in dtc and beyond follow and subscribe to the show and make sure to check out our show notes where you can find our socials and weekly newsletter Visit us on dtcpod.com to join our founder community and access resources from every episode. We'll see you on the next pod.